everybody. This is Eric from EFP. I am back, baby. That's right. I want to get into this episode 40 with monsters. Monsters were why I started GMing back when I was 11. I remember flipping through the first edition D&D and looking through the monsters that were there. And then second edition came out and looking through the monsters in there. And it just, for some reason for me, was the start of adventures. Looking at those was kind of that cross between watching kaiju movies as a kid and really thinking, man, this is what makes D&D for me. It's not just the dragons. That's the dungeons. It's the creatures and the things that I get to play with. So today we're going to kind of go over the idea of what in the hell are monsters and how in the hell do you use them in your game? How do you make it better? How do you use them so they have personalities? So there are some things I'm going to go over and help stir your imagination. Um, I would remind you, there's there's some awesome stuff like the history and lore found in the Volos Guide. The old Van Richten's guides for Ravenloft. And then there's the new PF2 bestiary, which breaks down the way not only the monsters work, but how they work within Galarian lore. And I think that's a good thing for a GM to look at and how they can be using it for their game. And Cobalt Quarterly, or Press as we know them, Tome of Beasts came out and they just made a pocket edition for books. And they do a great job of bringing monsters you've never seen before. So here's what I want to talk about with the show. list of topics are going to be picking monsters, adding lore, tying them to the story, crafting materials, adding personality, the classic GM thoughts, and closing. I'm excited to be back, so let's get into this. So how do I pick monsters? Well, there are options everywhere. And, and you're kind of wondering, what, what should I pick? What should I use? What goes where? Well, let me guide you in my process for this. And maybe it'll help you when you're looking through all the options that are available for whatever tabletop game you're playing. So for me, there's a few things. The story around the creature is how I develop um, what monster I want to use, what, how I come up with what I need. If a monster, for example, like the Bargast, is known for taking the souls of people and becoming more powerful, I like to put them in a remote area in the mountains if they're growing. If they've gotten hungry to the point to where they're strong and they have goblins following them, I'll, I'll have them edge closer to the city. Like, instead of a starving wolf, it's one that has become so powerful they, they think they can take what they want. Or if the story around it is something different, like it's a fabled creature of, of legend, you should have a reason that you're going after it. I make sure that it fits purpose. In my game, the monster should serve a purpose. If it's the ecology of the monster, and let's say it's rust monsters, they should be around an area rich with minerals, and or dead adventurers, or pit traps, something along those lines. In a recent game, I had a bunch of gremlins and rust monsters, um, almost like they were their pets, and they used them to help break down drilling machines that the dwarves were using to drill in the mountain. They would break them down so they don't work anymore. The rust monsters would feed on them. And the creatures would use glass weapons instead of using uh, any form of metal weapons to fight off any intruders. It's a great way to take that idea of what a rust monster is for, giving them a food source, yet giving adventure around it. I think that it's really important to know the layer and lore of a creature. Yeah, we all know what goblins and hobgoblins are, but 
goblins are tricky, and depending on the system you're playing in, goblins are little little bastards. Uh, like kobolds, they set traps. They hit you in groups. If it's Pathfinder, they like to burn things. There's a lot of extra stuff that you can add. They're tribal. And bugbears, you know, the bugbears are things that, while they may work in a goblin army, when they're on their own, they're thuggish. They're brutes. They attack from the shadows. But you should read over the history of these creatures and the lore and, and their layers and see if you can use that to your advantage in your story. And we'll get into that more when we get to the Tied to the Story section. Quests. Quests, it's just people do it for quests. There's always the get as many ears from goblins as you can, or there is the classic uh, um, hunt down this monster that's been raiding the village. But there's other things you can do as well. Maybe there was a group of PCs that went there, and something they were carrying is what the town needed. So now you're going to get it, which means you're also going to be facing that monster at the end of the road. So think about picking your monster. Pick it for looks. We all do that. But pick it on something that makes sense for what's going on. It will make them being there a shit ton more believable. Adding lore. So here's the thing. When you add lore, what I mean by that is you don't have to use just what's in the book. You can... Add lore to your setting. A monster that's in there doesn't have to be played exactly as printed. If you are running an adventure where you need an abolith to be a sand creature, instead of it being a water creature, figure it out. Make it something that's like a dune crawler. has the same powers where maybe it makes mud in the area and drowns people in it and they, they're reliant on digging through dirt and sand to eat and survive. Give the same concept, but reflavor the creature. Sometimes you want to add this kind of lore to your monsters for your setting. Just maybe you enjoy it. Uh, maybe you enjoy that creature, but it doesn't fit what you're doing. I always think of the Witcher games. Witcher does an amazing job of making the creatures you fight fucking matter. Like they have great lore. They have things around them. They're they're not just uh, hit point batteries, so to speak. They are there for a reason. So. When you're picking a common monster in your campaign, think about adding some lore to them. Talked about those goblins earlier. Maybe they do like the set fire of the things. And every time this village gets rebuilt, they come back and burn it down. And they actually use it as a way to get more fuel to burn other places. But they come back here every single time it gets re-inhabited. Or maybe those bugbears that are thuggish. Maybe they live on the city streets of a large city you're in. They don't work for the Thieves' Guild. They don't work for the Assassin's Guild. As a matter of fact, they've been known for killing those people in the shadows. And now the rogues and assassins are going out to find adventurers to find these hunters in the night. A little lore goes a long way. And then tie them to things, uh, places, people, gods, anything in your campaign. You could have a wizard that is known for using hippogriffs. And the reason he uses them is because he breeds them. And that's what he used to do when he was a ranger back in the day. Add some history. Write it down. Make a little DC for it. It's really important to make the information you are building gatherable by your players. If you don't do that, you're doing two things. You're wasting your own time. And you're not giving the players to enrich themselves in your world or your setting or your adventure. If it's just an adventure... So I write down DCs for those who make checks to learn about them. And if you're using a DC system where it's, you know, D&D 5e, make the difficulty similar to what you would do for any form of knowledge check. Or you could base it on Arcana or something along those lines. 
but give them the ability to go, oh yeah, I've heard about this, or I've read a book. Or if you're a ranger, I've ran into these before. Any of those kinds of things are important. Make it so they can know. And then make their habitat and layers fit your world. Like we said earlier with the Aboleth, warp it, change it, file those serial numbers off. Make sure it functions for whatever the heck it is you're building. Because if you don't, and you shove a creature in an area and it doesn't feel right, it's because it's not right. Do your research and do your due diligence. Know your monsters. And then like I spoke before, reskin and rename. We all have those players at the table like, oh, this is a Displacer Beast. Displacer Beast do this. We've all heard that crap. We've all witnessed it as a GM. You don't have to let them do that. Take that Displacer Beast and switch it. For example, maybe it is a Displacer Beast in stats, but now this creature is a human or, or a fey. Not only does it displace itself, it has an ability where it can swap spots with you and a party member, and then it phases back after its attack. Do something more with it. Use the stat blocks, use the numbers, but re-explain it. I've even went far enough to swap two monsters and use a description for one, and then use a stat block and powers from another. Add new powers to it. If you think it needs something extra, just do it. Can't believe I just said that. I just used a Nike, but you know what I mean. Just, just do it. Swap it. Next thing you need to do after adding lore is tie that bastard to your story. Your group is looking for a new campaign setting, something to seek your arcane arts into. Magic and Monsters is for you. Hey everybody, Magic and Monsters Marks of Men is my new micro setting. It's been out for over a year now, going on I think 60 pages. And the concept here is starting at a little higher level with a lot more magic. And just the idea of embracing the magic that D&D can be. I love the idea of putting out these settings with just enough information for you and your group to run and play and have fun. And you're supposed to canonize as you play. If you're not familiar with that term, the concept is if the group goes, yeah, that's right, you write it down on a piece of paper and it is now canon for the rest of your setting. If you start a new one, then you could wash it and redo or keep the ones you like. But it makes things important, and it makes your setting different from the guy to your left running it. I hope you enjoy it. Check out Eric Frankhouse Presents on Patreon, and uh, think about becoming a backer. I hope you enjoy it, and if you have any questions, you can find me anywhere on social media. So, my GM thoughts. Monsters are my favorite things that run. They're the reason I got into gaming, and they allow for the fantastical to happen in, in a game, have it be fantasy or sci-fi. And it pushes players' emotions and reactions. Just think about what creatures from Cthulhu do, the, the horror that it sets in, to the sadness and companionship you get from monsters like Beast in Disney. These things are... are big pieces you can play with as a GM. So here's a little couple of final notes, just from me to you as a GM. 
or as a player. Maybe you can help your GM do this stuff. Build up clues to go along with monsters, things that they notice as they are either tracking them, interacting with them, going through their lair. Learn from Witcher and the use of history. You could do little write-ups on cards or send notes in Discord or people make a knowledge check. Just give them the information to write down. Assume people have heard of monsters. If you need an easy mechanic for it, compare their hit die to the CR if you want to determine how difficult it should be. Think about the knowledge PCs have. Make a small chart. Post it or comment it. Uh, make a PDF. Uh, put sticky notes within your book. Whatever you're doing, you should be taking notes on what you think of monsters as you think of them. And just add them into your bestiaries. Yeah, you could have a book and then write them all in there and reference the page number. But I'm telling you, just take a set of post-it notes. Write on the post-it note and stick it on that monster page. You'll never forget. Or if you're like me... I usually have a backup monster manual, unless they're a super rare one. I just write in the margins. I mean, honestly, the people who made them should have been doing that anyway. You should see what my second edition monster manual looks like with all the three ring binder stuff. Dude, I've written all over the inside of that. And my new Pathfinder one? Yeah, I write in that as well. I'm never selling that. And if you're a person who sells your books, then go to the post-it note idea. But I do know most people don't sell their monster manuals. That's not the things they get rid of, because those can be used in any system. So, in closing, there are so many beasts, monsters, creatures, iconic or not, that you can be using. There are so many you could do Monster of the Week series for your players if you want. Think of Buffy and Angel. It's a new monster every week, and we still watch eight seasons of that shit. That's the key to the kingdom. Go through other books. Find people who have them. Find, you know, maybe a monster manual from another system. File serial numbers off. Convert it to yours. Make it your own. Make it your settings. Make it your players. And I have a story for those in closing. I made Claglands years ago. Claglands are these little goblins. They're made from a potter's wheel. And it all came from the second edition golem templates, where you take the arms off and put them on. And I made them of clay. And when they hit you, you couldn't heal the wounds without taking it time to make a check. And after that, I found out they're, they get hurt by silver. So these little things would go into the house and steal the silverware out of people's homes and bury it in the backyards before stealing their children. That's when I added pots to the back of them, because when they were made in potter's wheels, they would get sold as a pot, and at night they would come out and wreak havoc. Then they'd take children and put them in the pots in the back of them, take them out into a field, and offer them up to the, the rain of their god, which they thought gave them more power. But it didn't. Really, the rain in the fields put more clay on them, and that gave them more power. And I made this story over the time of using them time and time again, but my players always remember them. And you want a non-monster version? I ran D20 Modern, and my players could never look at a black avalanche truck again. That thing was frightening. I took the idea of Wraith the movie and used a black avalanche, which at the time was common on the roads, and it could literally drive and go ethereal through objects and rematerialize. It was frightening. So if you don't write in your books, still customize them. Use a recipe box, because everyone needs a monster recipe box. That's it for me at EFP, everyone. I hope that, you know, you're going to follow me for this new adventure of getting this podcast out once a week. 
I'm excited to be doing it. I had a lot of people ask and say they were missing the show, and uh, I'm back for that reason. I don't do this just for me. I do it for people who enjoy. I like the conversation. So I hope you enjoy this. And remember, you can call in on Anchor to the show. Anchor is a free app. Click the button, call in, and I'll put you on. So, like every time, watch, listen, learn. Be a better gamer, all.